Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. This is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers so you as a business can achieve your vision, Kasim. That's what we do vision. here. Your vision. That's, yeah, what that's we the want. first time I've heard you say achieve your vision. Are, are you testing new things, Ralph? You know, I really think that all business is just not all about acquiring customers, custom. It's about achieving your personal vision for your organization. What is it that mm. you want to achieve? It's not just making money. Making money is helpful, useful. Obviously, it's certainly very useful in business, but there's a lot of businesses that don't even care about making money, making any profit because they just use venture capital or publicly traded companies that operate at a loss for years and years. But there's some higher purpose that I think every business has out there. Yeah. Once you get to a level of profitability, I think this is one of the things a lot of businesses struggle with. And it's one of the things that we actually do as part of our intake form when we take on a customer at Tier 11 is talk to them about their vision. Like, what is it that's driving you? I think actually putting that into our intro to this podcast gives me sort of the warm and fuzzies here. I love it. Yeah. We're not all about just money grubbing capitalists here. We are actually trying to do something. And I think we're trying to do something pretty positive. And our vision actually is to help purpose-driven businesses achieve their vision. Your vision is other people's vision. Our vision is other people's vision. Your so, vision squared. Vision squared. But yeah. yeah. So I think uh, a vision is an important thing. And if you don't have a vision as an organization, it's okay. Most businesses don't what we found. But we take our customers now through sort of a vision exercise and, and integrate it into everything that we do. So, well, can I challenge that are. a little bit? I, I know what you're saying. Most businesses don't. And I think you're right. Most businesses don't have something written down. But I think if you talk to a founder long enough, most businesses do or most founders do and just don't realize yeah. that they haven't formalized it. Because if you get them there and it's Socratic in nature, you kind of get to the point to where you realize this isn't about the money for this person. It's about insert this more important thing here. And they've mm -hmm. been functioning with a strong vision the entire time. Now, very often they haven't shared it with anybody, which right. is catastrophic error, right? Because now your employees don't know they're climbing a ladder that's propped up against this very specific wall and you have to go proliferate that information. I really love the vision thing. I'd be interested from our listeners, actually, we should, man, God, what a fun exercise that would be. You should share your vision with us. Go to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. That's where you can go give us feedback. But mm -hmm. if you want to share the vision you have for your business, we'll read it out loud on the podcast because I think that that would inspire other people to craft their own vision. And what a world we would live in if every business was more intentional about putting their vision forward. I'm a big fan of Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And he talks yep. about the golden circle, which we can leave links in the show notes for that. And he sort of creates this circle. And on the outer portion of it is what you do. So in our case, it's media buying, it's content creation, it's all the sort of stuff, Google, Meta, Facebook ads, after the click stuff. And then the how 
is your own secret sauce, your way of doing it, your way of seeing what the what is and making it unique to your particular company. And this is having talked to many, many people about many agencies. Many agencies struggle with that part. So for us, it's this system that we use called customer acquisition amplification. We talk about it all the time, like throughout our entire organization. But that is a means to which we achieve our why, which is the center part of the golden circle, which is help purpose-driven businesses achieve their vision. And when we do that, we achieve our vision. I agree with what you're saying, actually. And we we didn't really anticipate this as part of the show here today. But I agree with what you're saying, because when I ask companies what their vision is, they're like, yeah, our goal is to sell. Let me just give you an example of one where we did in person about four or five months ago. It was a product that keeps cars, RVs, boats, motorcycles, like super, super shiny for a long period of time and keeps like that brake dust stuff off the inner part of the wheel. I guess that's the hub or the mag. But their product prevents like dirt from actually staying on the car. So actually, it's an amazing product. So I said, well, what's your guys' vision? It's like, well, sell more of X product. I'm like, no, well, why are you doing it? It's like, well, you know, I want to do this for me and my family, and I want to leave this for my kids eventually. I'm like, why are you doing it? It was after the fifth or sixth why. This is really how we do it, is he finally said, well, we make magical moments, memorable moments with DIYers that love their car, their vehicle, and those happy moments they spend with their family or with themselves just in the pride of ownership. And that's why I do what I do. Mm. So it took me six or seven whys to get to that because I was like, "Eh, it's not really about making money. Yeah, you need to make money. Yeah, you want to provide for your kids. Yeah, you want to provide for your family. What's the real deep thing? And then he almost was in tears because this really spoke to why is it that you want to become a billion-dollar company? What is that going to get you? You can't spend all that money. As they say in Wall Street, like, how many motorboats do you want a jet ski behind? How many motorboats are enough? You know what I mean? The point is, is like, what's your bigger vision? And what we found is when we understand what their vision is, awesome, uh, because it sometimes it's hidden. You're exactly right. It's not quite there yet, but it's just a matter of asking that question, why? And that's why that book is Start With Why. Because really, to find what that vision is, what that why is for your company, you ask the question, why, 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 why do you do what you do? Dude, so first of all, that was a nugget. I thought that was really brilliant. Second, you might already know this, Ralph. Have you heard of the practice, the five whys? Yes. And I forget why or how I've heard about it. But So I do too. I think it's a Six Sigma thing. Yeah. Or at least I heard about it through Six Sigma guys, but I just Googled it. And so here's lean.org. Five whys is the practice of asking why repeatedly whenever a problem is encountered in order to get beyond the obvious symptoms to discover the root cause. This is and it. yep. you know, it's so funny that you bring this up, man. We joked earlier before we started recording about always abandoning the things that work. When I first heard this, I was really obsessed with it for about 90 days. And I would make anybody who talked to me, all my employees, clients, vendors, whatever, if we ran into a problem, an issue, something that felt like it had some depth, I would sit down and literally whiteboard the five whys. So I'd ask why the first time, and then we put everything under why one column. And then I'd ask why a second time, we put everything under why two column. And it was so powerful. It was insanely powerful. And it helped us. Like There were things we were doing that we just shouldn't have been doing. There were things that we were doing that were so important and they weren't prioritized. 
And then one day I just stopped. I think because it's, it's really fatiguing. So I want to go back. You just inspired me. I'm going to go back. I'm taking a little note for myself right now. I'm going back to the five whys. I mean, for finding your purpose, that's a great way to start. But I think that's the nugget for today. If you don't mind me lobbing that up at you. We'll take it. Yeah, it's a great one. I think it's important because it's as a biz, I found that when you have that why, when you have a purpose for the organization, especially today with the types of people that are in the workforce today, and I'm not going to just paint a broad brush, but I guess the millennials and even me as a Gen Xer, I don't know where you fall on that. You're probably more on the millennial millennial side. Technically a millennial. Yeah, if you're born after 1980, you're a millennial and I'm 85. We're we're that middle ground millennial that kind of like... I understand you, Ralph, is what I'm saying. Right. right. You still get the people that were born in what, 92 forward, basically know no other world except a connected world. Yeah. No, I I come from a time when they didn't put rearview mirrors on the passenger side of vehicles. So I, I, yeah, I know hardship. Did you have roll up car windows? Oh yeah. Did you have that? Yeah. That's why like if you roll up next to somebody and you need to roll down your window, I still do this. I don't know what kids do now. I think they just like point. I mean, how to? Yeah. Call me. Text yeah, me. Yeah. Hang up the phone. Yeah. Swipe right. left, swipe right. I don't know. I think it's super important because as soon as you do that as a business, people start to rally around it. And I think it's an important part of recruiting. I know you have a really good way of recruiting. Our methodology, I think, is we could debate this, but I really feel like our methodology of how we recruit people, we've been doing it for such a long period of time, is like the best in the world. Like we've got a great HR department, really knows how to zero in on it. And we focus in on this so much. We focus in on the match between what they're looking for and what we offer. And it always comes back to the why. Why is Tier 11 doing what it's doing? And I'm not saying this to like promote Tier 11. I'm just saying for your business, you should have a higher purpose and rally around that. Like when I do a CEO video every other week or so for the troops, I always mention it. I always bring it back to this, to the point where our COO, Brian, who we should probably have on the podcast at some point in time, is so tied into this because he's like, nothing in a whole business works unless you actually have your why. Because mm. all the other parts of it, and he has this wheel that he sort of shows, we call it the Haji wheel where at the top is the vision and everything sort of interrelates to it. It's like a flywheel effect. And that's when you really start to gain momentum. And I think us as an organization, we really got clear in our why. We started to really move forward in the right way. And we were stuck for a while in growth and we are stuck no more. And I think it has a lot to do with crystallizing the why. So we'll leave some links in the show notes for that here today. We did not intend that to be the nugget du jour, but... Dude, we should do a whole episode on the Haji wheel. Haji? Haji wheel. Like Johnny Quest, Haji? Yeah, well, his last name is Hodges, so we just call it the Haji wheel. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Yeah, that's an episode I'd love to hear. I would just sit and listen. Yeah, we'll have him on. If we're going high level here, we might as well go all the way. All and the way. That's From all the, the clouds way. to the stars. That's it. That's to the it. multiverse. This will be released over on our YouTube channel. So check it out over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. I'm using a new camera here today, Custom. So I'm not sure if I look at you or the camera. I need to like replace it in the I right you way. You just be natural. I think I'm just going to be natural. I'm just going to be looking at you over there and occasionally look at the viewer at the people, over there. Yeah. When you yeah. want to make an impactful statement, you can do the politician thing and just I turn to the camera. I think that's what I'll do. 
Yes. And have your little thumb up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to use that today. So today we're going to get into a case study where we will actually be sharing screen here so you can see what I'm talking about. And this is an extension of two or three other episodes that we've done on what we're now referring to as the ACC model, which is awareness, consideration, conversion, going up funnel and the cloudy sort of foggy image in the background is that model exactly, but we're going to be getting into a case study where we talk about specifically how we did it. And it also involves Google. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I love things that involve Google. Yeah, we love Google. And we're yeah. going to get into that just after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back. We're going to be talking about case study here today that relates to a couple of other podcasts. So this is a it's almost like a series, custom. We talked about it theoretically way back when, when I did the summary of the Meta Performance Summit. It's about two months ago. We'll leave links to that in the show notes. And then we also talked about sort of full funnel awareness and how we're now seeing that as a way in which to scale businesses that have sort of reached a, a level of scale and have not been able to sort of get out of that website conversion, red ocean, yet another book that we talk about, blue ocean, red ocean all the time. And we, we're seeing this with larger brands, especially with me doing a lot of the introductory discovery calls the last month or so, larger brands just being really frustrated that their current agency can't get them to that next step of scale. $25 million companies, $30 million companies, $60 million companies. Maybe even if you're even small, like a couple of million, like getting to that next step sometimes is a challenge. If you're fighting in the website conversion in the high intent based keywords, red ocean, 
what we have found is that there's not a five-step formula. There's not a three-step formula for all this. It's about being very observant and really looking for signals. Hmm. And in today's case study in this ACC model that we're now opening up the kimono here, like I'm telling you guys like what we're testing behind the scenes, not as a pitch for tier 11, but it's like if you're not doing this in your own business or at least testing it out or at least looking for it, you are shortchanging yourself in an era where advertising costs, especially in the conversion side and looking into the next four or five months where advertising spending is going to be very, very competitive. Now is the time to start implementing this strategy. And we've started to do it with a number of customers now. The caveat also is that this takes a little while to kick in, but you can do it with very small budgets to start. And oftentimes it's just being observant and looking for signals. When I say looking for signals, looking for, okay, your best converting website conversion video ad or going into your Google account and seeing like what is working inside the Google account. And you might be able to take that learning and bring that over on the meta side and then expand that out to TikTok and to Snapchat, all the other channels so that you're getting a broad coverage, but you're looking for the signals that would indicate that people are interacting with top of funnel content in most cases and in this one here, this is more of like consideration content because it's a blog post that we utilized that we noticed in our final URL expansion campaigns for our Google team was sucking up a lot of the spend. This customer is in a niche where they have a really, really vibrant blog. They add to it almost every single day. URL expansion started to expand outward from the, the sales pages, the landing pages, the webinar registration pages that we were using for our Google Performance Max ads. And this one keyword phrase, this one blog post, which was very specific to a problem that their target market had. Some of this is going to have to be obviously blurred out to keep confidentiality here. But the point was, it was on a how-to for one of the biggest problems that their ideal customer has. In this case, what we found is that we were getting conversions through our Google Performance Max ads. We said, well, hey, that blog post, why don't we just start running traffic to it as a website conversion campaigns? So we took that blog post, which was, once again, this is one of the biggest problems in this particular niche. And it's in the credit niche. This is about as much as I can say about it. But it's one of the big problems that this customer has. And their ideal avatar is someone who might already have credit issues. And then as a result of that, they sell products based upon that to help others with credit issues. So it's in a very interesting market. And the, the point was, is we had no idea that any of this would work, but Google Performance Max, once again, with final URL expansion, we just noticed the signal. We just picked up on the signal and said, all right, well, maybe we should create some Facebook ads around that. Maybe we should try it and see if that works the same way. Sure enough, we spent four or 500 bucks and we got a 1.24 uh, X return on ad spend immediately. So we knew we were on to something. The point was, is that without really looking at some of your data, if you're not looking at your entire scope of data, 
And if you're running Facebook ads, but you're also on the other side, on the Google side, I know we share some customers as well. And one of the big things that I think is really as important is even though you've got your head down working your own side of the equation, it's really important to have communication between two sides. I'll pause there for a second because uh, I know you work with other agencies and you work with internal teams that might do the meta side and then you guys are doing a lot of this. In this case, it worked really well because they had a very content-rich, like really, really good blog and uh, was calls to action, Johnson boxes in the middle of it, sidebar, everything in there. So it would make sense. But what, what's your sense? Have you seen this happen within your agency, Cosm? Yeah. So I, I want to pause just real quick and explain to the layman potentially who's listening what uh, final URL expansion is inside of Google's Performance Max, which is an AI-driven marketing mechanism, meaning Google's making all the decisions. It's choosing what ad to put in front of what person at what time. And this is the part that's crazy. I think this is the thing that surprised me the most about Performance Max. Google actually chooses what page on your website to send them to. So if you're selling slippers, Google might not necessarily send somebody to your Buy My Slippers page. They might send somebody to your Nylon Slippers or the Best Slippers blog. And it's counterintuitive for media buyers, but it's actually really intuitive for a normal human. Because a normal human realizes that for the vast majority of my slipper buying life cycle. I'm actually not interested in buying slippers. I'm interested in learning about slippers. And so Performance Max leans into that really heavily. And Google has a ton of information and data that lets it know, hey, this person needs to read a blog, needs to know more about features, needs case studies, testimonials, needs to know more about the company, etc. So as long as you have a content-rich website, and that's the prerequisite, and everybody should, as long as you have a content-rich website, uh, it's like saying you need to have good nutrition if you're going to get into fitness. It's just table stakes has to happen. There's no question. Content-rich website enabling final URL expansion, it enables what Ralph is talking about here, which is Google will start to show you what content on your site moves the needle from a purchase perspective. And what's interesting is I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised to realize like, oh, people needed to know about that. That's so interesting. Now, mm -hmm. I've never done what you're talking about here, Ralph, which is lift performance max URL expansion destinations and push them into Facebook. And we haven't done that because we're not a Facebook agency. We've given clients feedback on what their highest performing pages are and hope that they take action. But that's what's kind of cool about you being so integrated because it makes all the sense in the world, dude. It's like, oh, Google just gave me a thumbs up on this content. I should go pimp this same content out on Facebook. We have done a little bit of it on YouTube. And the thing that we do internally at Solutions 8 that I think is a, a great little nugget is we use content signals like this to create more content. So if I'm looking for something for a YouTube video or a social post, this is the type of flag that lets me know, oh, I should dive deeper here. Yeah. So you would take this in this particular case and maybe have the customer create a video around this particular problem or this subject that is giving you the signal through final URL expansion. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. And maybe the first thing that people should do is go to that page and make sure it's robust enough. Because if you have 250 blogs, the one that's getting all the traffic is probably getting traffic based off of content signals title tags, SEO-friendly URLs, signals to Google that tell Google what the page is about. But you are going to want to make sure that your content is robust enough to really support whatever narrative you're putting forth. I have a really specific example of this. We had a blog. It was the top 20 reasons to choose Shopify. And it was just 20 bullet points, you know, one, two, three, four, five, down the line. And they were really, really quick and short. That ended up being one of our most traffic blogs of all time. And I think it's because before they were ready to launch their e-com store, they just needed to know what platform to choose. Well, as soon as I saw that, we went and turned 20 bullet points into 
you know, 8,000 words. And now Jason Fladlin actually mentioned this on the podcast he was on recently. But if you look for top reasons to Shopify or why Shopify, I think just the words, why Shopify, I'm pretty sure my blog is number one. I'm looking at it now. It's directly after Shopify. And I have 20 reasons why Shopify is the best e-commerce platform. And I've got a video that wasn't there beforehand and you know a bunch of built out content. So you can use content as a quick litmus test for what other content you need to build and then feed the machine. It's kind of a flywheel in that way. You start with yeah. a little bit of content, wait for Google to tell you what content's working and then beef that content up and then put it top of funnel the way that you guys are doing inside of Facebook. Yeah. Have you done this ever through Google Analytics in the past? Dude, I should. I mean, God, I'm such an idiot, Ralph. I wish I was a smarter human. An egg on my face for just the epic amounts of hypocrisy. We just had Mercer present at Driven and Mercer was going over the new analytics. He's showing me everything that you can tell. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is such a wealth of information and I should absolutely be using this. So many reasons, but obviously to guide my content creation because my users are telling me what they want to know more about. And I never look at it. Do you? Does anybody look at their NLA? Why we should, but I never ever, I know my ads team does for optimizing ads. I never look at analytics for organic content creation and I should. It's such a stupid thing. Because it's there. I mean, especially with GA4. <laughs> I mean, the data is there. We're making a very specific play to beef up our after-the-click hmm. team. So much so that we're really quadrupling that entire division because the signals for front of funnel are oftentimes embedded in the back of the funnel. The signals that you should pay for, that the signals that you should pay attention to are in GA4 now mm. that you can then translate back to, especially if you have a solid third-party tool, which I think is super important as well, Wicked Reports or whether it's Northbeam or Triple Well, not quite as much of a fan of, but like basically those two unto themselves. Like You can track back what URL, what blog ultimately led to a sale all the way through, even using GA4 now. Right. And that's our conversion architecture team is extremely adept at that. And then it colors and it almost leads strategy on the media buying side and on the creative side, which is fascinating. So something like this, we found basically through the Google Performance Max, but like these signals are everywhere. My point is, is like, this is not necessarily the thing. If you're not running Google Performance Max with a uh, final URL expansion, thank you for explaining that to us for who has never used it before, because a lot of tools out there that people probably have not used, but this is one of the best ones. I think we were super skeptical when it first came out. And now we're starting to see, oh my God, Google actually does know what they're doing here. It gave us the signal to go back into the other side of the equation, which is on Meta, and direct another test where we spent $2,000, a larger test, not even conversion campaign, just like a high-level just traffic campaign, and right to that piece of content. And we got a 0.39 ROAS, wow. which a lot of people will be like, that's not that great. That's no, actually, on a non-conversion campaign, that's nuts. That's fantastic on a non-conversion campaign. Keep in mind, this is a large, larger customer. These guys are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, but they're also looking for ways to get to that next level of scale, reach that next level of audience, expand their audience. And when you just focus on conversion campaigns, 
You are only getting the people that have visited your website, kind of know who you are, maybe watched a video of yours, have converted to something similar to your product in the past, or are in market basically right now. And that limits your scale. You're fighting against everybody else. These guys have four or five or six big competitors out there for their website conversion campaigns. They're fighting against them. They're battling. That's why the CPMs are $50, $60 CPMs. But if you can go out of that, get out of that red ocean, that bloodbath, that Mm. UFC 292 fight that's happening every day in website conversions and actually create your own market through higher level consideration. Oh, let's educate the consumer on one of their biggest problems. Or even, even higher than that, we haven't even done this for this customer yet, is let's go brand awareness ads, talking about the founder story, maybe some kind of purely educational, no call to action audience with a reach campaign or a brand awareness campaign. You then expand your website conversion audience for you and you alone and not for your competition. That's where this strategy gets really, really exciting. This is just the first step for us. We're going bigger on all of this because the learnings are is that we're creating not only return on ad spend on the website conversion campaigns, great. The point is, is that these are becoming leads. And if you're looking at the screen here, watching on YouTube, you'll see that our spend by testing more blogs, we increase spend pretty significantly from about $2,200 a month to $3,600 a month. And our ROAS went from a 0.39 on that initial test. Now we're getting a 1.31 ROAS. That's super cool. Because we're started to test different blog posts. We're like, all right, if that works for that one, let's test a couple of others that are basically in the same area. And this is a very, very small percentage of their overall spend. This might be like 1% of their spend. Yeah, but okay. it shows you what's working. This is like the metal detector. Why? Exactly. Just out of curiosity, why the big spike in December? Are they seasonal? Yeah, I think that was they had a promotion running. Okay. As I recall, I don't exactly know, but yeah, we increased spend there. But the point was, is like you're getting return on ad spend right on these ads themselves. But more importantly, and this is almost like the longer view, is that we started to do this with video view campaigns, blog posts to level one, which is basically cold traffic with exclusions. It doesn't know who you are. These are maybe just lookalike audiences, They're your detailed targeting audiences, take out your exclusions, your people who have visited your page or liked your page and visited your website, your past purchasers, your leads, all that, brand new customers, and then start testing this with lead magnets as well. You could actually turn this blog post into a lead magnet and create leads for you, which is precisely what we did here. We started to do this through Q1 and Q2 of this past year. And even though the ROAS was slightly decreased, we increased our leads by over 2,000, 2,200 leads, a 13% increase in leads by also increasing our top of funnel ad spend quite a bit. So we turned this into a lead generation generating mechanism based upon a relatively small ad spend. But the beauty of this is that because we have a third-party tracking tool, Wicked Reports in this particular case, it's a great product. I mean, we love the third-party tracking tools. Google Analytics GA4 is great. But you do need to triangulate. You have your source of truth, which is like your CRM, your Shopify store. You have a third-party tracking tool. And then we have GA4. So we sort of triangulate the three together to formulate what decisions we make, data-driven decisions we make on the media buying side. When you piece it all together, when you stitch it all together, we found that 
the leads that we were bringing in from those new blog posts slash lead magnets, we were getting an earnings per lead of $1,400, hmm. which is staggering. So the case could be made that by increasing leads by $2,200, we have increased their potential revenue by millions. $2,200 multiplied by $1,400, a little bit of a stretch. The point was is that we know that if we bring in leads, we can track it all the way through to the funnel through the third-party tracking software because so much of that revenue they make up for it with their paid products is through email. Even though the lead came from either Google Performance Max, some cases, obviously Facebook and Meta. And so what you want to do is you want to be able to stitch all those things together. Here's a case where you're looking for signals. Now, this is a little bit more of a complex type of business, but All we did is we were observant for the signals that were being presented to us and then formulated it into a strategy. And I think this is what advanced marketers really need to do now is look at everything, not in silos. Oh, what is Google getting? What is Meta getting? Oh, Meta is getting you know, a 2.3 ROAS and Google is getting a 7 ROAS. Well, spend more money on Google. You guys know as a Google ads agency, that's not necessarily the case. It might be spend more on Facebook because the two are actually interplaying alongside each other in order to scale and grow the business. So what we really need to be able to do is look at everything from a 30,000 foot view sometimes. And this is what I was telling my team this past week. It's like, guys, we're in it all the time, just looking at everything from a 10 foot view. Zoom out every now and then and look at least once a week and look for opportunities to be able to use this type of strategy Where are the signals pointing you? Where are the signals actually telling you, yeah, maybe you should spend more over here because this blog post is getting a tremendous amount of play or this post that we posted on Instagram, all of a sudden it's like blowing up. There's no conversions associated with it, but what's in that content? What are they talking about in there? Maybe use that potentially as an idea for a conversion campaign, an idea for a lead magnet campaign. And you can start seeing results like this. And this is media buying in 2023 now, Custom. It's not just have an offer, throw it in a website conversion campaign, and Meta and Google will take care of the rest. It's far more insight, far more intelligence. And that's where we're really seeing the puck going as opposed to where it is right now. Yeah, skate to where the puck is going. I think that the sophistication in the paid media space was always going to commoditize the bottom of the funnel on a long enough timeline because it's just easy math. Well, it costs me $10 to get visibility on this particular product. I make $100 on this product, so I can spend $99. I can get nine out of 10 of the users. The top of the funnel is where commoditization, I don't want to say can't take place because it can get narrowed a little bit as more people engage, but it's where creativity reigns. You know, it's content, it's awareness building. It's kind of the fun part of marketing. It's Don Draper. It's yeah. sitting around thinking about like, what do people want? What would catalyze interest? How do we get in front of them? And the nice thing about awareness building is, God, is that traffic cheap? Non-conversion campaigns, super cheap. And if you do the hard work to figure out what it is that really triggers people, you get to benefit from that. Yeah. I mean, you guys are kind of doing this, right? And I always sort of equate it back to you know, how you're doing things right now with Solutions 8. You're doing top of funnel, very much just educational brand awareness. Let's help as many people as we possibly can. And then they trickle through. It's hard to do it with the YouTube stuff that you guys are doing. I assume it's the same strategy is working. 
but it's the same idea. Yeah. Well, I think we've taken less of an algorithmic approach. I could never sell what I do to a client. What you've done is you've figured out how to model it so you can sell it to a client. You're using very specific mechanisms in order to identify, okay, this blog at this time should go in this place. We're just, hey, what if you took everything that you do and you explained it simply and in great detail and gave it away to everybody on the internet for years and then hoped someday somebody came and bought from you? It's just a tough sell. It's a little insane. Yeah. Right. And it was insane because the Google Ads agency space is so saturated. It was something of a Hail Mary, but man, did it work. I was on Twitter two days ago and somebody said something kind of snarky about us. I forgot what it was, but it was about the production value of our videos. You know, it's just me in my room and John is in his guest room and he's got a couch behind him and the light comes in at a weird angle. And somebody else who I do not know came in and ripped that person's head off on Twitter. Like it was a really unkind comment. And he was like, are you effing kidding me? These guys give away like insane amounts of value, absolutely free. What do you expect? What I'm getting at though is the amount of brand equity we've earned. I've never been defended by strangers on the internet before. But I guess if you spend two years giving away a bunch of really awesome stuff, that ends up happening. And so I think there's a space for it for damn sure. But it's difficult to quantify, difficult to guarantee. And you never know really what worked. It's not attributable. So I think what you've done is you found a model, you found a model for top of funnel attribution, which is pretty cool, man. Congrats to you. Well, I think the way to sell it is that you have to have that messy middle somehow. You have to piece it together somehow. And I know with you folks, like when you do a YouTube video, which I, I think is a great strategy. I mean, the dirty little secret that we always say with our agencies is that it's really, it's content marketing is that the real thing that we do. And then we just put advertising dollars behind the content, really. It's pretty simple. Like put as much high quality content out there, build the audience, build the community, build the credibility. And then eventually they will, when that zero moment of truth, when they're looking for the Facebook ad agency or they're looking for the Google agency or the, you know, just add digital marketing strategy just in general, they'll click through and finally say, all right, these guys have earned my trust. They seem to know what they're doing. I'm going to take that next step and spend 30 minutes talking to their sales team. So that's a little bit of a harder thing to do without that messy middle being everything tied together, which is where it's missing for you, but you're seeing it. You know that if you stop spending, will your leads drop off in accordance with, not stop spending, but let's say you decreased your spending by 50%. Would leads drop by 50% on the other side? Have you guys done any sort of tests, like just raw tests like that? We have. It's funny because we ran an online challenge. And the reason that's relevant is because we were spending a ton of money driving traffic to top of the funnel content. And we took that money and we paused those campaigns and we used it for online challenge. The online challenge went great. Then I noticed, and it took months, Ralph, it was like three or four months. But all of a sudden I see this decline in the number of leads we usually get. But we'd started spending again 30 or 40 days later. And so 30 or 40 days later after the decline, I saw an increase. But it let me know how long it takes for the money I spent at the top of the funnel to really show an impact in my business. And it's months. It's months out. Yeah, people become solutions aid aware, no pun intended. And then they dive deep into our YouTube videos. And I think that they go super deep before they realize, you know, I don't want to do this myself. And then they reach out. But that usually, that's a months long process which is a great learning lesson. I think everybody should know what their real path to purchase looks like. And my bullish 
opinion is it's always longer than you think it is. Even if you're selling candy bars, it's longer than you think it is. And in this case study, it took three to six months, this data to come through. I'm sorry. It just, it was one to 2% of their total ad spend. I don't know as if they knew it was being spent, Yeah, but it was a hunch and a test based upon data. It was a data-driven decision to go after this idea, which is something that we have realized that we used to advocate years and years ago, put content before the actual conversion. Well, this is not a new concept, everyone. Get brand awareness and actually mimic the way that people really buy. Do people always buy on the first click? No. Has anybody maybe, ever bought on the first click? I mean, if you're really good, one out of 100, three out of 100 if you're amazing. The point is, is that 99 to 97% are not going to buy. So what are you going to do with them? Well, human nature is the way that it is. They are probably, they're interested in your stuff in some way, shape, or form. Put your most valuable stuff in front of them, which is basically mm-hmm. what you've done in, in front of Solutions 8. It's like, all right, we're going to educate you guys on how to do all this Google stuff. And then maybe you'll do it on your own. Cool. Well, and dude, a lot of people do. That's the other thing that you should be really clear about. This would kill an info business. I get this message all the time. Thank you so much. Everything you've taught me. I have a career in media buying. I've launched my own media buying agency. We're crushing it. I learned it all from you. We've held literally nothing back. You know, that sounds, it feels good to say, but it also means that I've eliminated the possibility of ascension through info, which is for some businesses just not possible. You just can't do that. The flip side to that though, is that because the content is so good, if you actually had a paid course, a lot of people would buy it because they would be like, oh my God, their free stuff is so good. Can you imagine what their paid stuff is like? Yeah, that flip, dude, I tried that. It turned around on me. We'd given so much for free mm-hmm. that when we did try to charge, the bar was set. So, because people assume that they're like, oh my God, they're pay-. And then it was more of the same. I was like, all right, so I'm just paying you to organize it better. Yeah. So then you can play the game like, where do I hold back? Where do I draw the line? That always felt kind of dirty to me. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm going to teach you most of it, but if you want the real stuff. So what we are doing, and actually I wasn't planning on ever announcing this, Ralph, but for whatever it's worth, we're launching a membership. So we've got, I'm calling it the Google Ads Rebellion. And we're getting a bunch of solo media buyers or freelancers or even agency owners. And we're charging a small monthly fee just to put them all in a room. And then once a week, we hop on and we help them work through problems and issues. So it's not info, it's community. And I think that's the closest you can get if you're giving away all the secret sauce. Yeah. I mean, the model of we're going to give it all away for free. And then when you buy it, it's just neatly organized is a model that has worked for a lot of digital products companies out there. I mean, for whatever reason, like there's that is the reason right there to say, Okay, not all businesses are the same. It really depends. But if you've got a following, if you've got a community and you are building up to that point where, okay, I want to actually sell products into that space, that model has worked extremely well. We have lots of customers that are in the digital product space and they do a ton of content, ton of blog posts. And then their course is really is maybe there's an element of done with you with some coaching, some one-on-one stuff, which sort of sweetens it. So, I mean, there is that. But the point is, is most of info marketing is just better organized stuff that's probably already out there anyway. You're just organizing it in a systematic way. And I know info marketers have done that for years. But Every business is different. Your goal here is to get agency customers. I always question whether or not that was a flawed model. I think if I could go back, I would have made more money either doing something participation-based, which we've talked about a bunch 
maybe something more like what Alric Heck does. Mm-hmm. Alric's model is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. He holds stuff back though. Oh, he holds a ton back. Yeah, yeah. But he just teaches people how to do it and then helps them hire the resource that'll do it and then trains that resource. But it's nice because he gets paid when an agency gets paid with no accountability. You know, if it doesn't work, he's like, oh, we'll fire him. We'll, we'll hire you another one. And that's not, I'm not bashing Alric, by the way. I'm a big fan, but it's a brilliant model. You know who else does that is Cole Gordon. Yeah. Cole's sales team, like he's not doing done for you sales. He's doing training that gets as close to done for you as you can get by hiring your sales guy, training your sales guy, helping you manage your sales guy. But at the end of the day, it's still on you. Still on you. Yeah. It's the paid consultant coaching model. Really? <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. You're not accountable necessarily for results. I mean, depends. It depends on what your offer is. But yeah, ultimately, it is up to the individual to get the results on their own. You're just guiding them through the process. So, well, hopefully today's case study has been helpful for you. I would highly encourage you if you're a business or you're an agency, more so if you're a business, let's say you're a VP of marketing or director of marketing, is ask about these sorts of things from your people that are doing it right now. It's like, Mm. where are we getting other signals and other platforms? Give your team a day to look for them. Your campaigns aren't going to blow up and everything isn't going to self-destruct. If you're not an ads manager 24-7, if anything, they might actually do better because you're not touching stuff in there. So if you're a director of marketing, this is what I would tell your team is look for those higher level signals that will allow us to scale in a different way and differentiate ourselves from the rest of the market. And I guarantee you there's signals embedded in your campaigns. If you're running Facebook, Google, no matter where it is, or maybe you know on your website, maybe even on the content that you post on your Facebook page. I always keep going back to that. There's that little section inside, and I'll leave a link in the show notes for this. It's like where you can look at the content and gauge how many people have interacted with your content that you've been posting on your site. Look at your YouTube channel, the same thing. Mm. These are just signals, but you need to be aware of them. And I do find that sometimes media buyers, people that are doing this day in and day out, they're too focused on the task that's right ahead of them as opposed to looking around and looking up. Maybe not the 30,000 foot view. I'll take the 10,000 foot view. Dude, 10 feet. Some of these fools are just like media buyers want to buy media and they don't care if there's a chance there to go get it for free. Yeah. So that's our takeaway here for today. Like I said, we'll leave links in the show notes here for everything that we talked about. I want to thank you for listening. As always, make sure you leave a rating and subscribe wherever you're listening. If you've left a rating for Professional Traffic, we really appreciate that. Let us know what we can do better. And Kasim, you had the vision throwdown at the beginning of today's episode. Put your vision in perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Is that what the call to action was? Yeah. We want to hear it so we can read it. it. We want to hear it. We want to hear it. We want to get it out there. It's going to do you a lot of good. We'll definitely get Ryan Hodges on the show here to talk about the Haji wheel and vision and how it all works together and how it's something that's been transformative for our business. Make sure that you head over to uh, LinkedIn. Follow me over there at Ralph Burns and then Kasim on Twitter, now X, at Kasim Aslam. Go back and listen to previous episodes as always. And make sure that you do check out our YouTube channel at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. If you're already watching it there, fantastic. Love to have you leave a rating there too. And like I said, all resources and show notes are available at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasa Maslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. 
You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 